0: As we uh, ready our hearts, let's say this together. Avinu Malkenu, our Father and our King, give me eyes to see, ears to hear, a heart to perceive, and the will to obey your word that I hear today in Yeshua's name. Amen. So as you know, we are in this series, He Turned my morning into dancing. This is week three. I started with an introduction message on the weekend of the 9th of Av, and it's going through the seven weeks of the Haftorot of Consolation, as Josiah mentioned uh, when he was reading from the Hof Torah today. And as I introduce this series, I encourage you that God wants to do something in you and me and Beth Emanuel during this seven-week period. So two weeks have passed. And I know from talking to some of you that you are sensing Adonai already moving in your hearts and lives. I also know that some of you are still walking through uh, some pretty uh, intense things, and you don't see or feel any different from two weeks ago when we started this series. I'm going to say, that's okay. That is okay. But Rabbi Michael and I I believe under the unction of the Holy Spirit, want to encourage you to reach out in hope today as you hopefully catch a glimpse of what God wants to do in your life. I am here to tell you that God wants to turn your morning into dancing. He wants your feet to start tapping. He wants you to walk in great joy. During this season, God wants to do something for you. Turn to your neighbor and says, God wants to do something for you. Okay, look at me. I'm going to tell you. God wants to do something for you, okay? With authority, we say that and proclaim that to you. And he's going to turn. Remember what the meaning of the word turns. He means he's going to change it. He turned the rod into a snake, right? He turned it into something totally different. We sing it together. He works everything together for our good. I'm going to see a victory. That's why I was so stoked during the worship, you know, that uh, you have to come up here and stand by me and worship so I can rub off on you. You got to get excited about what God is doing. We're going to see a victory. My God, what? Never, never fails, friends. Never, ever fails. And he is going to turn things around in each one of our lives. This is a season and this is a time when he wants to do that. He's going to give you garments. Amen. He's going to give you garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Your feet are going to start dancing as you see the wonders of the Lord on display in your life. Listen to Tehillim 30, 11 through 12, the passage that this series is based on this time, this week from the message translation. You did it. You changed wild lament into whirling dance. You ripped off my black mourning band and decked me with wild flowers. I'm about to burst with song. I can't keep quiet about you. God, my God, I can't thank you enough. And that is what's going to be the reality by the end of this series. So God is moving. Rabbi Michael encouraged us uh, last week that uh, God is a God who wants to comfort us Through the Messiah, Yeshua. And we want to catch a vision of what he's doing right now. And he reminded us that God alone is supreme over all the earth and no one can compare to him and his majesty and his greatness. And we sung that again. When we sung that song, I don't know how you cannot be like singing at the top of your lungs. You have no rival. You have no equal. You tore the veil in two. What a wonderful name. The name of Yeshua. We have no rival. And Rabbi Michael encouraged us last week. He is God supreme. There is no one like him. Friends, grab hold of that. Oh, but Rabbi Carol, I feel so under it. I get it. Believe it or not, I feel under it sometimes too. Not today. But when I feel under it, what do I do? I remind myself of the truth of the word of God. We say it every week. "Enkamocha Adonai. There is no one like you. And this God is the God who's going to move in your life during this season. Expect God to act. So today's Haftorah, we heard Josiah and Abigail read the first couple verses. It starts. In Yeshua, Isaiah 49.14 and goes to 51.3. We're only looking at chapter 49. So follow along on the screen or in your e-book or your tree book. And the message today is entitled, A Quick Work. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is going to do a quick work. All right. So listen, verse 14. But Sion says, Adonai has abandoned me. Adonai has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her child at the breast and show no pity on the child from her womb? Even if these were to forget, I would not forget you. I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your walls are always before me. Your children are coming quickly. Your destroyers and plunderers are leaving and going. Raise your eyes and look around. They are all gathering and coming to you. Adonai swears as surely as I am alive. How many of know he's alive? Amen. You will wear them all like jewels. Adorn yourself with them like a bride. For your desolate places and ruins and your devastated lands will be too cramped for those living and your devourers will be far away. The day will come. The day will come, the day will come when the children born, when you were mourning, will say to you, this place is too cramped for me. Give me room so I can live. Then you will ask yourself, who fathered these for me? I've been mourning for my children alone as in exile, wandering to and fro, so who has raised these? I was left alone, so where have they come from? Adonai Elohim answers, I am beckoning to the nations, raising my banner for the peoples. They will bring your sons in their arms and carry your daughters on their shoulders. Kings will be your foster fathers, their princes, says your nurses. They will bow to you face toward the earth and lick the dust in your feet. Then you will know that I am Adonai. Those who wait for me will not be sorry. Selah. We'll talk about that. But can booty be wrestled from a warrior? Can the victor's captives be free with God? Yes. Here's Avalonai's answer. Even a warrior's captives will be snatched away, and the booty of the fearful will be freed. I will fight those who fight you, and I will save your children. I will feed those oppressing you with their own flesh. They will be drunk on their own blood as with wine. Then everyone, then everyone, everyone not just you earlier says then you will know and he says then everyone will know that I Adonai am your savior and redeemer the mighty one of Yaakov wow say la say la say la we could just sit and meditate on that all day long and friends you should be meditating on the sermons take this sheet home Read through the passage all week long, meditate, and allow God to minister and open up things to you. As I was going over my message this morning, in preparation, new things God illuminated to me, and he's going to do the same to you as you go through it. So God wants to speak several things to us today from this message as he is turning our morning into dancing. The first thing is, I will not forget you, or I have not forgotten you. Let's think of the context of this story. Israel was in Babylon. They were captives in a foreign land. By some accounts, at the time of this prophecy, she had been there for 28 years. That's a long time, just saying. And before I continue, I want to say, which we've said this so many times, but lest you forget, or anyone listening to this message forgets, this passage applies to Israel, to the Jewish people unequivocally, that's who he's talking about. All right, because there are many commentators that will say it applies to the Gentile Kehilah. Not true, not true, not true. I'm just saying this up front. God declares over and over again in his word that he will never abandon the Jewish people, never. So we must be always true to the content of the verses we're trying to understand. With that said, as I've said in many other occasions, There's spiritual principles that still apply to your life and to my life, and that's what we're looking at today. Like Israel, many of us feel not only has God forgotten us, but that he has abandoned us. We look at the pain and sorrow that we are facing, and we ask God, where are you? Where are you, God? Why haven't you done anything yet? You don't have to nod your head because I know many of you have asked these questions. And life just gets harder and harder. And no matter how much we try, release is nowhere to be found. There's no change in your circumstances, no change in your children, no change in your marriage, no change in my health, no change in my relationships, no change in my finances, no change in the world situation. God, I have been waiting for this promise for years and years, and it seems further away now than ever and like Israel we want to know God do you really care God where are you when I need you and many of us can relate to what the psalmist writes in Tehillim 22 and Yeshua himself quoted this as he hung on the tree of sacrifice my God my God why have you abandoned me why so far from helping me so far from my anguish cries. My God, by day I call to you, but you don't answer. Likewise, I night, but I get no relief. That's where Israel is at, and I know that's where many of us are at, but God sees and hears exactly what you and I are feeling and saying in our heart of hearts, even if we never say it out loud to another person. He knows that you are at the point where you cannot go on anymore and he understands that some of you are barely hanging on to a thread thread is very thin a thread of hope but listen clearly friends listen to me what does god say as he spoke to israel he speaks to us saying i have not left you i have not forgotten you. I have not left you, friends. I have not forgotten you. I cannot explain all the details, God says, of what is happening in your life, but I want you to know that I am getting ready to step into that situation and I am going to turn things around. I'm going to turn, I'm going to change that morning into dancing. I'm going to turn things around for you. I have not forgotten you. I have not abandoned you. And as we sung this song, and I used Romans 8.28 in my first message, God turns everything together for our good. And that's what he's going to do in our life. One writer talking about this passage said, you are not alone. In the midst of unspeakable sorrow, God is with you. Even if you do not feel him near, God is there. He promises to never leave you alone. Therefore, wherever you are, God is. Do you hear that? Wherever you are, God is. He is with you before, during, and after the storm, never losing sight of you or your suffering. Even as you ponder, how will you begin picking up the pieces of your life? God is there, this writer says, loving you beyond understanding, holding you up, and making a way where there seems to be none. And that's what God is about to do for some of us. We are facing a situation And we look and we say, there is no way. And God says, there is a way. And I am the way maker, and you're going to stand and see what I'm going to do in your life. I have not forgotten you, God says. I have not abandoned you. He goes on to elaborate. My second point, he says, you are always on my mind. He continues his response to Israel with the rhetorical questions that he's not expecting us to answer, but that we should already know the answers. Can a mother forget a child that was born to her? The one she nursed? These are impossible situations, there's no way. But he says, but even if by some chance that happened, I want you to hear what I am saying to you today. Adonai, Sivaot is speaking. You are engraved on the palms of my hands, and your walls are ever before me. So verse 16 begins with a common Hebrew word. All of my Hebrew scholars, tell me what hine means. Behold. Thank you. It means behold or see. So listen to what this little word is meant to do, and it's not in some of your English translations, but it is there in the Hebrew. This word means to draw attention. It's an interjection, meaning behold, look, now see. And it's often uh, used to express strong feelings, surprise, hope, expectation, certainty, thus giving vividness depending on the surrounding context. The writer goes on to say he generally directs our mind to the text imploring the reader to give it special attention. In short, the Ruach is trying to arrest our attention, and so Hine is used as an exclamation, a vivid, immediate see. God says, behold. Look at what I'm saying to you. That's what what that little word means. God wants to draw our attention to this word and to the verse that follows it. What's this commentary telling us? That that word is there to draw attention to what is being said. And God is saying, I cannot forget you because you are engraved on the palm of my hand. And listen to this commentary explaining this phrase and the whole meaning of this. He said, the palm of the hand is a well-protected place because the hand can fold into a fist And protect it if it's threatened. So not only ourselves, but our times, all our circumstances, the day in which we live, the happenings of our lives, all these are under his control. You're in the palm of his hand, protecting you. You're engraved on the palm of his hand. Sometimes The circumstances are beyond your control, the commentator says, but he's got the whole world in his hands. He goes on to say, we need to affirm the truth that I am graven on the palms of his hand. I am never out of his mind. All my knowledge of him depends on his sustained initiative in knowing me. I know him because he first knew me and continues to know me. He knows me as a friend, one who loves me, and there is no moment when his eye is off me or his attention distracted from me, and no moment, therefore, when his care falters. (coughs) There is no moment when God is not looking at your life. Do you hear what this writer is saying? When God says, You're engraved on the palm of my hand. He says, I see everything. I'm always attentive to you. Nothing, nothing is escaping me of what is going on in your life, and I am watching over you, and I will work things together for your good. I am going to turn that morning into dancing for you. Look at what Yeshua promised in Yochanan. Chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. God is always watching over us. He sees every details of our lives, and nobody but nobody can take you out of God's hand. There's not one thing that is happening in your life that he's not aware of, and more importantly, he cares for us and is holding us in his hand, and he is going to turn your morning into dancing during this season. He will not allow the enemy to pull you away from him. The third thing that God wants to tell you today, I will do a quick work in your life. Verses 17 through 19 and verse 25, I will do a quick work in your life. I know what I felt in my spirit as we begin this series and as we were looking forward. Again, we planned this earlier in the year with Rena and Evan, our volunteer staff, as we look to see where God would lead us. And in this seven-week period, I know that I know that I know that I know that Adonai and I want to do something significant. And this passage tells us it will be a quick work. Things that you've been praying about for years will suddenly be changed. The dreams and promises you have been waiting for will come to pass. Now, I preach on this passage many times. We have covered these uh, Haftarot consolations on many occasions. But I told my husband yesterday as we (coughs) went to lunch, I said, I know I have a word for parents today, and I hope you will receive this. Look with me at the beginning of verse 17. Your children are coming quickly. Your children are coming quickly. Now, we have been praying and interceding for revival and souls on Tuesdays for about three or four months now. God put it on Rabbi Michael's heart to start another prayer meeting. Uh, We know it's in the middle of the day, and and we know some people, you can't make it because of work, and we understand that. We encourage you to just be praying on your job. But we have been praying for revival and for souls. And one of the things that God often leads us to pray for is for the return of the prodigals. There's not one family who doesn't have a prodigal in it. And I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Your child will come back to God quickly. Someone believes it. Your child will come back to God quickly. Oh, Rabbi Carol, you are clueless. My child hates God, my child hates Beth Emanuel, and my child even hates you. I'm not clueless. I'm not clueless at all. But God, but God, God loves your son and your daughter. And I want to tell you that no one is too far gone for I to reach down and touch. And I'm going to tell you that even now, you may not see it, but I'm going to tell you right now, God is speaking to your child. He's reaching out with his love and his mercy because before they were your child, they were his child. And he's drawing them to himself with everlasting love. And I'm going to tell you right now, do not, do not box God in when it comes to your children. Do not box God in. I know it is tough. and You say, Rabbi Carol, you don't know your your kids are here. And yes, and I'm grateful my kids are serving God alongside of us. But I have many prodigals in my family. And if they're watching, they know I love them. I reach out to them all the time. I sit and weep as I share my faith with them. Do not box God in. Allow him to use what and whoever he wants to speak to your child. Do not allow doubt to stop you from receiving your child back into faith of their childhood. I'm telling you, our prodigals are coming home. Look with me to verse 25. Adonai says, I will save your children. Hear the heart of God. I will save your children. Parents, listen to me today. Agree with what God is saying. Agree with Him in your prayers and in your actions and in your words. And listen to me. I know this is hard for some of you to hear. Stop being afraid to share your faith. Can I share? All right, so uh, Wednesday night, Raylan shared how she was often afraid. And she had an opportunity with one of her children to speak. And for the first time, or one a few times, she said, the Lord did this. Brought God into the conversation. That's powerful. That child's coming back to God. All of her children are coming back. All of your children are coming back. God loves those prodigals. He loves us just as much. Don't get jealous. Don't be the big brother. I have many prodigals in my family, and I am believing that this is the year when we will see many of them return to the faith of their childhood and embrace God. And I'm telling you what I know God put in my heart. Your children are coming home quickly. They're coming back to faith. He is preparing their hearts. Trust me, trust me that that is what he is doing. We are praying for them. You have been praying for them. He is working on their heart. Those who've been there for a while know my husband's story. For four years, three, four, four years, a brother in law shared about Messiah. On the outside, he looked so disinterested, hostile, etc. But God spoke to him every single time someone shared about Messiah. Every time you share Messiah, God will use it to speak to that person as we said on Wednesday night to quote a friend of ours Robert if you're watching Robert Spector said this once in the meeting we were in God cannot use what you don't say he can only use what you do say so parents I'm telling you you need to start speaking of God once again in your home and once again to your children But this passage also, so quickly, I believe, we're going to see prodigals come, but it also speaks of the restoration that Adonai wants to do in the other areas of our life. He's going to return our children, which if that was all he did, Dayenu, Dayenu, I would be happy to see all of the children that I have watched. I'm going to be here what did I say, 40 years next, April 5th, yeah, 40 years, April 5th, 1983, I got on a plane and flew out to New York, 40 years, and I've seen many, many young people grow up in this congregation, and a lot of them are still serving God, but some of them have wandered away from the faith, and not one of them escapes my mind, I can see their faces, I can see them uh, interacting. I've always been involved with the kids and the youth, and I can see them, and I can see them, and I can see them back in in the fold. I can see them back at Beth Emanuel. I can see them worshiping God. But that's not all that God's going to do. But Diane knew that would be enough. Verse 19, he says, Your desolate places and ruins and your devastated land will be too cramped. And then in verse 25, God declares, and we sung this, I'm going to see victory. I will fight those who fight you. So what is God telling us? What looks like rubble and broken places will be turned into beauty. He's going to restore areas of your life that you thought were gone forever. What can come out of the shackles of my life? Listen to what God says in Joel 2.25. He says, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. There are a lot of locusts. Now, don't ask me why, but your locusts shed their, uh, their, their skins and things. So as a child, I found the locust thing, and I used to carry it around in a box. I have no clue why. which just intrigued me, right? But in Joel, it talks about a lot of locusts, and they come. This type of locust, and that type of locust, and they come, and they come, and they come. And what do they do? They destroy. And as this passage says, they eat everything up. God says, I'm going to restore, repay you for what the locusts have eaten. Do you hear what God is promi- promising us, friend? Every area of your life that has been devastated, every area that you have given up hope on, every area where you are seeing nothing but pain and heartache, God is going to turn that around even now he is working. Adonai wants to bring you the fulfillment of his promise to you. And at the same time, he is going to fight for you. We sung it. I said it at the beginning of the message. My God never fails. He has never, ever lost a battle. And he's not going to lose your battle. He is the mighty one of Israel. He's a warrior, and he knows how to fight. You don't know what to do. I don't know what to do half the time in the situations I face. But when I look to God, God always knows the right battle plan and the right strategy. And no matter the surahs and the havoc you're facing, he is creating something new in your life. He's going to rout the enemy and send him scattering. We say it, it's part of the arise. Arise, O oh Lord, and let your enemies scatter. God's arising in the midst of his people, and the enemy will scatter. And the last thing God wants you to hear, he's turning your mourning into dancing. He says, I've not forgotten you. I've not forsaken you. I always have you on my mind. I'm going to do a quick work. And the last thing he wants you to know, I will make you fruitful. Verses 20 through 23. In these verses, he speaks of the children he's bringing back. And they will say this place is too cramped for us. To me, this is an imagery of fruitfulness. More than anything else, Michael and I want to be fruitful personally and as a congregation, fruitful in the kingdom of God. The cry of our heart, God let us bear fruit. Let's look back to Joel chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, the verses before his promise to repay what the locusts have eaten. God says, be glad. For the smile on your face, Beth Emanuel. God's up to something. People of Zion, rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains because he is faithful. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. What a picture of fruitfulness. Why and how does it come? Through the faithfulness of God. (laughs) Through the faithfulness of God. Do not think it's because of me or you. We've done nothing to deserve His loving kindness and His mercy. Yet he is moving in our lives to pour out abundant showers. He's turning our mourning into dancing. I know once again you may feel like this is impossible. It's been too many years. Trust me. I know how you feel. So we've been singing this song, Hunger. I shared that with my husband. It's a song we've known. And a couple uh, in ministry, their daughter wrote it. And I heard, I was listening to it in my devotion times, and the uh, mother is singing at the end through the song, and she goes into open worship. I can cry every time, and I th- that song has been in my devotions almost every day for two weeks. And at the end of the song she says, after all these years, can you still hunger? After all these years, are you still desperate? I want to tell you, this rabbi and this rabbi, we're still hungering for more. We're still desperate because we know God has not done what he has spoken over this place. I know that you feel it's impossible. We get it. It's been many years. I know the years that Michael and I have been praying and believing for revival and an outpouring of his ruach that would lead to the salvation of many Jewish people. I know the hours of travail and intercession for souls. I know the longings of my heart and his heart for more of God's presence that would transform this Sanctuary, transform your homes and transform our world. I know the hunger in my heart and my husband's heart, and the cry that there must be more. And I know it's been many, many years. But Adonai's response to me and to you is I am going to change your situation, I will turn your mourning into dancing. When we built this building, it was said by many people, men and women of God who came during that whole process, that it was too small for what Adonai wanted to do. I tell you, he wants us to be fruitful. Yes. He wants us to be fruitful. And he's going to make us fruitful. That's what he's saying in this passage. The other night we were re watching an episode of The Chosen. <coughs> Liz was talking about it. Have I enjoyed it? To be honest, it always goes on late at night. I'm usually awake at 4 30 in the morning. And yes, Patty, I fall asleep. But the ones I have seen, I have enjoyed. And this was a of fishing all night with his brother Andrew, Yokonan Yaakov, and their brother, their father's deputy. And what did they catch? Absolutely nothing. Yeshua's on the shore teaching. Let's read from Luke chapter 5 this story. One day, as Yeshua was standing on the shore of Lake Canaret, with the people pressing in around him in order to hear the word, he noticed two boats pulled up on the beach, left there by the fishermen who were cleaning their nets. He got into one of the boats, one that belonged to Shimon, and asked him to put out a little way from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Shimon, put out into the deep water. And let down your nets for a catch. (coughs) Shimon, the good fisherman that he was, answered, We worked hard all night long, Rabbi, and I haven't caught a thing. We've been doing this for a while, Rabbi. You're the Rabbi, I'm the fisherman. I've been doing this. I'm telling you, there, there ain't no fish out there, Rabbi. But, Kepha says, if you say so, I'll let down the nets. They did this and took in so many fish that their nets began to tear. So they motioned to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both points bo- boats to the point of sinking. Now, Go on YouTube somewhere. I'm sure you can catch the scene from this thing. It is amazing. I love to see their faces as Yeshua does these things. They have been there all night long. Nothing, but nothing is happening. They're discouraged. It's over. God, God Yeshua says, do this. And amazement, this net is so full. You see those fish coming up. And not little tiny fish, okay, you know, you know. I mean, I don't know many fish you here, my family fishes. Okay, not the little tiny thing, okay, that you throw back in. These were big fishes, every fish. And it was so full and overflowing that it actually began to sink the boats. God made Kepha fruitful. Even though Kepha had been working all night long and saw nothing, God changed it. Changed it. That catch is unusual for even the best of fishermen. You understand that? I mean, even if you've never fished in your life, you've got to know that filling two boats full in one catch is highly unusual. Yet in Yeshua's words, or at Yeshua's words, there was an abundance. There was fruit for K for Rabbi Carol, we've been at this years and seen so little. What's the use? I hear our master saying, "Cast the net out once again." Beth Emanuel. My eyes, my husband's eyes, are open to see the fruit that will bring. He will bring into this congregation and into our personal lives. I am telling you. You will arrive early because you want to get a seat i'm telling you god is breathing life into the dead areas of my life and yours he's restoring areas to uh, that have been destroyed by bad choices we made and let's face it, some of us have made some bad choices And that's why we're where we're at today. But God is going to turn that around too. Can you say amen? Even if you're the one who caused it, God still wants to turn that situation around. Israel was in Babylon because of things she did. We get the picture, right? So whether you caused it or the enemy came against you, Adonai is going to change things around. So I want to encourage you, hear and receive the word of the Lord today. Do not let this season go by without receiving what God wants to do for you. Beth Emanuel, listen to God. The last phrase of verse 23. Lo Yevoshu Kovay. Lo Yevoshu Kovay. The one who trusts me, the one who waits for me, the one who believes in me, Will not be ashamed or disappointed. That's why I am excited because I will not be disappointed. I will not be ashamed, not because of me, not because of my husband, but because of God Almighty. I put my hope and my trust in Him, and He says, I will not be disappointed. One translation says, no one who hopes in me ever regrets it. I don't regret putting my trust in God at all. Let's look back to Joel chapter 2, verses 26 and 27. You will eat until you are satisfied and praise the name of Adonai, your God, who has done with you such wonders. Then my people will never again be ashamed. You will know that I am with Israel, and that I am Adonai, your God, and that there is no other, then my people will never again be ashamed. Two times there in Joel, once here in our passage today. Listen to me. Look at me clearly. Shame is being removed from your life. Shame is being removed. I know that's coming up in another Haftorah, so I'm not going to do all there because I think my husband will be preaching on it. So, friends, I am choosing to put my hope and expectation into the word of Adonai. Will you join me? I believe that this is the season and the hour when our mourning will be turned into great joy. I believe we will see many prodigals return to faith and even back to Beth Emmanuel. I believe I'm going to see prodigals in my family in Missouri come back to Messiah. And I believe Adonai is going to restore areas of my life that the enemy tried to destroy and areas that were de- devastated because of poor decisions we made. I believe we are entering into a season of fruitfulness because I believe what God says in his word. And I will believe it will be a quick word, work, a suddenly of God. And I'm going to close with this. What is a Suddenly. It's where you've been waiting for a long, long time. And then all of a sudden, the answer is there. Suddenly, everything has changed. We were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years. Suddenly, we are free. We were captives in Babylon. Suddenly, we're back in Jerusalem building the walls. Suddenly, everything has changed. Think of Rav, Shaul and Silas, Acts. They were in prison. What does it say? It uses the word there. Suddenly, an earthquake came and broke the chains off of them. Acts chapter 2. They'd been waiting in that upper room for 10 days. And it says, when the day of Shavuot came, suddenly... Suddenly, the Ruach blew through that place and changed and transformed the men and women in that room that has impacted the course of history 2,000 plus years later because it suddenly happened. Suddenly, are going to happen in your life and in my life. God is going to do a quick work. Suddenly a woman who had been six for 18 years was healed by Yeshua. Suddenly, suddenly the man by Gate Beautiful who had been crippled his entire life, suddenly he stood up and he went leaping and jumping and praising God. When he went, To that gate that morning, whoever took him, because he was crippled and he couldn't walk. I don't think he knew that that was the day of his suddenly. I'm just telling you, when you get to heaven, you can go ask him, and you're going to say, Rabbi Kara was right. (laughs) I'm not always right, I will confess, but I think I'm right about this one. I don't think he, he knew that his suddenly was coming. He went there, and it even says he looked to Kepha and Yochanan to get what? Money. Because he couldn't work, so he had to beg. But on that day, (sighs) Kepha looked at him. He says, I don't have silver. (laughs) I'm going to get it out. And I don't have gold, but what I do have, I give it to you in the name of Yeshua, rise and be healed. Amen. And suddenly he could walk. I can't imagine. And he's a person I would love to talk to. He had never ever walked in his life. Think about that. And now, again, how God did it—you would think muscles atrophy. Again, you know, I, you know, I have the screws and things over here. This leg. And I'm favoring it now because I've had some problems with the screw leg. You know, the muscles have been built up, There's like, all those sort of things. So you think someone who hasn't walked, that he would be stumbling along, but that's not what the word says, does it? It says he went jumping and leaping and praising God because when God heals, he heals completely. When God restores, he restores completely. God restored this man's body. And God is going to do a work in your life, and he's going to do it suddenly. Get ready, Beth Emanuel. My feet are already tapping. Of course, it doesn't take much for my feet to tap. Let's embrace and surrender to what I wants to do. Let go and let God do his work in you, in your family, in your work, in your situation. And I believe it will be a quick work. He wants to do suddenly in your life and mine, and in this congregation. Let's say yes to Yeshua. Verse 13, I mean verse 18. Raise your eyes and look around. Israel, raise your eyes and look around and see what I have done. That's what God is calling us to do. Beth Emmanuel, raise your eyes and look around and you're gonna start seeing things Happening, 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 happening. Suddenly, suddenly, suddenly. Across this sanctuary, onto the airwaves, everyone listening, God is going to start doing suddenlies. The testimonies are going to be coming in. One after another, this is what God did this week. I sent out a quote from Andrew Murray on Thursday for prayer, and I want to close with this this morning. Beware in your prayers above everything else of limiting God. I said that earlier. Don't box God in. And not only by unbelief, but by fancying that you know what he can do. Expect unexpected things above all that we ask or think. That's why I am so excited because God does exceedingly abundantly beyond what we ask or believe. And I am uh, waiting to see what unfolds in the next weeks, and I know testimonies are coming this week. I know that God is already moving in your lives, and things are going to begin to appear. Let's stand to our feet. Before we close with the Aaronic benediction, I want to to give opportunity for anyone who is here in person or online to make the best decision you will ever make, and that decision is to say yes to God. I was six years old when I made that decision. You know my story. I can remember as if it was yesterday. And I remember walking back to my seat, being overwhelmed by how much God loved me. Friends, God loves you. You're listening to this message because He wants you to come to Him. So we're gonna lead in a simple prayer, but it is a prayer that will forever change your life for good. And all I ask is that you let Rabbi Michael and I know you prayed this prayer, whether you're online or in person, or you're listening to a podcast two months from now. Our information is there. We would like to encourage you. So I'm going to ask my congregation to say this prayer with me. Adonai, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Yeshua to die for my sins. I repent and I accept his atoning work on my behalf. Thank you amen so you pray that prayer for the first time or maybe you were one of those prodigals who you walked away and there have been prodigals who have prayed with me online and have reached out to me I want to tell you that uh, angels are rejoicing in heaven a new name is written down and please reach out to us so that we can encourage you in your faith Beth Emanuel it's a good season that we are living in I know how things may look in the natural, but I have eyes to see beyond what I see in the natural. And I'm telling you, God is doing something. Don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on it. Let's speak a blessing over you and have a blessed Shabbat. May Adonai bless you and keep you. May Adonai make his face shine on you and show you his favor. May Adonai lift up his face towards you and give you peace. May you walk in the peace of God Almighty. May your mourning turn into dancing. Don't forget to share your testimonies. They are coming even this week. God bless you. You can see Rena or Adeline out in the foyer if you want to get on to Pumble today. And have an awesome Shabbat. Expect God to act. Shabbat Shalom.